chapter 15 this morning for the reading of God's Word. And as we work through the passage of Scripture, I think you'll find it is very apropos for today and to the things we're dealing with in uh, an everyday situation. I've had many questions asked over my years of being in the ministry of how do I find what God's will is for my life. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered what God's will is? Have you ever been at a crossroads where you're trying to determine God's will for your life or you're facing a decision to make or a situation? Let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever made plans and uh, your plans did not come the way you wanted them to go? Yeah, We've all had that, right? Sometimes it can be very discouraging. But I want to show you that just because we plan something doesn't mean that necessarily it lines up with God's will. And ultimately, we have to humble ourselves and submit to God's will knowing that His will is greater than our will. Romans chapter 15, and I read in verse 22, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, And through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pause this morning and we thank you for your abundant grace your wonderful blessings upon our lives. Lord, we can do nothing without you. And I pray that you would just reveal your presence to us this morning. God, we've sought to honor you in song and worship. And now we honor you and we worship you by receiving your word. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that we would be changed more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I beg and plead with you, if there be one here that's unsaved, May that one fall under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. May he or she turn from their sin and believe in you for eternal life today. Father, if there's one who's not where he or she needs to be in their relationship with you, I ask you, Father, that again your conviction would fall upon them and that they would turn to you, repent of their sins, God. Holy Spirit, move in our midst. We need you. And Lord, I always ask you for your help. I cannot do this without you. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought, that you would enable me to articulate this message, God, for your glory, for your honor, and in the lovely name of Jesus, the name that 
is unmatched by any other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. What do you do when you have plans and you have desires and you pray earnestly for those plans and those desires and they never come to fruition? They never happen. What happens when your plans fail? Well, there's two things that can happen. The first thing that can happen is that you can lament and become bitter because you don't get your way. And that only seems to add to the affliction. It only seems to add to more trouble and difficulty. Or the second thing you can do is you can accept the will of God where you are and faithfully serve Him where you are. Guys, I would like to tell you this. Honestly, if we're sincere, much of our lives we spend fussing and fuming and uh, over not getting our way. Much of our life we spend uh, just in a turmoil because we, we, we are not getting what we want. And in that, we miss, we miss what God is doing right now. God is always at work. We may not recognize it, but God is always at work doing something. Did it ever occur to us that God has us right where he wants us? God has us right where he wants us. There are many people who are downright miserable because where God has them is not where they desire to be or where they not have where them have not planned to be. And they're miserable because they're fighting against the will of God. And it's real. Christianity is not something that we try. It's not something that we do occasionally. It's not something that kind of just makes us a better person. Christianity is altogether different. It is a surrender of self, a dying of self, a crucifying of self. It's a laying down of my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you ever look at your life and wonder, why am I stuck here? This is not part of my plan. Perhaps you think of your marriage. This is not what I had planned. You know, I, I thought I was marrying Romeo. And I'm waking up with Nomeo. <laughs> Didn't know his breast smelled like that, his hair looked like that. We spend large chunks of our time at work thinking, this is not my plan for my career. I could have done this or I could have done that. I should have done this or I should have done that. I would have been more happy if I had done all of this. You know what the common denominator in all that thinking is? You. And a failure to submit to the will of God. Now listen to me. I'm not a doomsday person. But I am telling you, the Bible tells us that evil is going to wax worse and worse as the days get closer to the end. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And if you think you're miserable in your plans right now, you keep, you, you keep fighting God on His will, and you're going to be even more miserable when the things come down the pike. What does that have to do with this message? Well, Paul had a desire. Look with me in verses 22 through 24. Paul had a great desire for this reason. What reason? Well, he was preaching the gospel in places where the Christ's name had never been mentioned. 
Yes, he had a desire to see the people. He wanted to be with the people. He wanted to be with the people at Rome. But he was preaching the gospel. He was doing the will of God. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. It was the preaching of the gospel that kept him from doing what he desired to do. Now, it's not saying that he did not desire to preach the gospel, but it is saying that he desired to go to them, but he was not permitted, he was hindered to go to them because he was preaching the gospel. So Paul has a a predicament here. He has something he wants to do, but he has something that God wants him to do. Does he do what God wants him to do, or does he do what he wants to do? You and I are going to be faced with that decision every day of our lives. We're going to be faced with a decision, am I going to do what God wants me to do, or am I going to do what I want to do? I.e., let me say this, am I going to be the Lord of my life, or is He going to be the Lord of my life? We live in a society that has so narcissistic, so self-centered, so uh, wimpy, That any kind of trouble, we want to call the government to fix it. And it's not possible. Paul says, listen, I have this desire, but I can't because I'm preaching the gospel. Look at verse 23. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. This was not just a one-time week of, of desires. Many years he desired to come to them. Verse 24, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul said, I long to see you. In Romans chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 1 verse 13 says, I often planned to come to you. We come to chapter 15 and he said, I'm hindered from coming to you and I have desired for many years to come to you. This was an ongoing desire. Now let me set your mind at ease. Paul did go to Rome two times. But both times he went to Rome, he was imprisoned. He did not go to the church of Rome. He did not get to go to the church at Rome and preach. He went to the prisons. Paul says... It was the will of God, the gospel, preaching the gospel that kept me from coming to you. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with my marriage or what does that have to do? The principle is there. The principle is there. The principle is this. God wants what I want. Am I going to put what I want above what God wants? And so... Now we come to Sida County, we come to present day, and we have churches on every corner. Literally 13 churches I pass from my house to here. 13 churches, and you perhaps pass that many on your way, or maybe even more. And I might have missed a few because there's few popping up every time. And we have all these churches because we want our way. If I don't like this, I'm going to go here. If I don't like this, I'm going to go here. And we have to stop the madness and say, listen, this is not about me. It's not about what my desires. It's about God's desires for my life. I mean, what in the world would make a man take his family, sell everything they have, and move to a foreign country 
to live in poverty conditions to spread the gospel and become a missionary. I'll tell you what, it's the will of God. And if you ask him, he'll tell you, yes, it's tough. But I will tell you this, God is supplying me every need. He is supplying me the joy I need. And I have found that serving the Lord matters. It matters. And what I want you to see here is many times we don't get to serve God and do for God because we're worried about our plans. My plan is to do this or my plan is to do that. And you know what, church? What we have to realize is Paul was not so much lamenting about not being able to see them, but Paul had come to the place where he realized that it is more important to be faithful to God where I am than it is to fulfill my future plans and desires. It is more important for us to be faithful to God where we are than it is for our desires for the future to come true. Our faithfulness to God is more important than our future plans. How many of you ever heard of Eric Little? Eric Little was a successful athlete. How many of you heard of the movie Chariots of Fire? You've all heard the movie. Dun, 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 dun. You've all heard that. Chariots of Fire. It's a great story. It's a true story. He was a successful athlete, and, uh, but his fame and his honor didn't sway him from what he knew was his life's calling. His life's calling was to preach the gospel in China. Eric was born in China to missionary parent, parents, and he attended school in London. When he attended school in London, they found out that he was very good at running. He became an accomplished runner. He went on to complete, compete in the Olympics, and he refused to run on Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. And one event came up. He refused to run on that Sunday. So they entered him into another race. He, he did not compete in that race, which was his strong suit. He ran in another race that he had never been conditioned for. And he won the race. And he won it convincingly. But his heart was never in running races and running in the Olympics. His heart was for the people in China and spreading the gospel to those people. In 1925, Eric returned to China and he used his skills to minister and influence many young Chinese for Christ. But get this. In the midst when everything was going well in his ministry, the Japanese during World War II captured him and he died imprisoned with an inoperable brain tumor. His death led a great, left a great empty place in the lives of many people. But you know what? It was not his plan. No one would ever say that his plan would ever be to be captured by the Japanese and to die in a prison with an inoperable brain tumor. That would have never been his plan. And we look at these things, but what did he do while he was captured? He was faithful to God and he ministered to many people in his imprisonment, just like Paul did. Much of the times when we read the scriptures and we see the Apostle Paul, we see that he is chained to a guard. And many of those people 
And uh, the, the scriptures tell us that the whole Praetorian Guard had heard the gospel as a result of Paul being imprisoned. It was not his plan, but what did he do? He realized that, hey, this is not my plan, but I can be faithful to God where I am. And God will use that. He will use that. Look at Paul's faithfulness. Verses 25 through 29. But now... See, I want to come, when I come to Spain, I want to come and see you. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. See, Paul discovered that faithfulness, listen to me, faithfulness where you are is the will of God. Faithfulness where you are is the will of God. I don't like that plant. I go in there. I can't stand the people. God's got you there. His will is for you to be faithful there. If you want a better job, you be faithful where you are, and God will promote you somewhere. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says, He rules by a different set of principles. He that is faithful with a little, I'll make you a ruler of much. Why is He going to give you something better when you complain about everything you got? Amen. Paul discovered that faithfulness where you are is the will of God, but is contrast to enjoying their company. I want to come and enjoy your company, but, B-U-T, B-U-T, that is contrast. That means go in the opposite direction. The opposite direction of enjoying their company. We cannot let our dreams and our desires become a stumbling block to actually doing the will of God. Well, someday maybe I'll be a pastor. Someday maybe I might do this. Or someday I might teach a Sunday school. Or, you know, if things would structure and I could do this and I could do that, I would do this or I'll do this. If you're not going to do it now, you're not going to do it then. Fact of the matter. Every Monday, my wife asks me, every Monday I'm going to start a diet. If I ain't going to do it on Sunday, I ain't going to do it on Monday. Everybody knows that. She knows that. That's why she laughs at me. She says, I don't even buy health food anymore because you say that in Monday night, you're after me because I didn't buy Oreos. Yes, I have two personalities when it comes to food. The one I want to be and the one I actually am, amen? Can I tell you this? The last words written in Eric Little's journal is this. Three words. It's complete surrender. I'm not talking about a man who had everything he ever wanted. I'm talking about a man who gave up a lucrative career as Olympic runner to go to China and preach the gospel, who was captured by the Japanese, imprisoned and dying with a brain tumor, and he writes as he's dying, it's complete surrender. It's complete surrender. You and I can never know the joy of serving Christ until we completely surrender ourselves afresh and new to him. You see, part of the problem is it's like the chicken and the pig. The chicken and the pig were walking one day, and they decided, hey, let's, have, let's, give, let's give our owner breakfast. And the, 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 the chicken and the pig agreed to this. And the chicken said, I'll, I'll give some eggs. And, and the chicken said, you can give some bacon. And the pig said, now hold on. What's a partial contribution from you is a total commitment from me. You see, some people want to give God a partial contribution. They don't want to die to themselves and give Him all. To have the bacon, you've got to kill the pig. And I know you like bacon because you're Baptist, you're not Jewish. It's complete surrender. 
And the number one problem with Christians today is we do not want to surrender our will and be faithful to God where we are because we have plans and until God does what we plan, we're not going to be happy with Him. And that's why there's so many miserable Christians. You'll find the most joyful Christians, those who even were beheaded for Christ, burned at the stake, you'll find. As two, two men were being burned at the stake back in the day. And they said, is recorded of one man who was being burned as they lit the fire. He said, we are about to shine a light that will shine across the world, being the light ourselves, of the fi- speaking of the fire. Speaking of the fire. I'm talking about people who died, and, you know, <laughs> if we get someone to help do something for the church, it's, it's an amazing, it's, you know, heralded, and we have to put it on Facebook and everything. Listen, there are opportunities all around us to be faithful to where God has us. And I would venture to say, it's not just being faithful in this church, but more so being faithful outside these walls, where everyone can see you, where your light can shine. But if you force your will, your plans, and your desires, it will end in a mess. Has anyone here ever had something that you wanted so bad and you forced it and you finally got it and when you got it you thought huh, really wish I wouldn't have got that all three of us thank you sure it is there are many times in our lives where we long for something we pray for something we ask for something and we want it so badly and we get it we realize what we got is not what we wanted happens all the time Paul's faithfulness to God where he was was more important to him than his own plans or desires. Now watch this. I love this. Notice Paul's plea in verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren. Very specific language. He's talking to the church. I'm begging you, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive. That word strive means to fight, contend. Strive. Together with me in prayers to God for me. What does he want? There are three requests. Number one, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Number two, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And number three, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Did Paul completely abandon his plans and his desires to come and see them? Absolutely not. He did not. He continued to pray and even asked the church to strive with him in prayer. What is the the request? He prayed those three requests. But what is the, the, the message here? The message is this. It's okay to pray for future plans and desires while you're being faithful where you are. There's nothing wrong with praying for those future plans and desires as long as you're not asking amiss, the Bible says, to consume it upon your own lusts. But there's nothing wrong with praying for future plans if you're being faithful where you are. As a matter of fact, if you're not being faithful where you are, it's going to hinder your prayer of the future plans. These two work together. They're not in conflict. It's okay to pray for your future plans while you're being faithful where you are. You know, church, one of the things that we need to stop and think and ask, God, what are you doing in my life right now? What are you doing around me? 
Make me aware, God, of what you're doing. Yes, I hope and I pray for these future plans. But I'm going to continue to be faithful to what God is doing right now. God's got you where he wants you. There are no coincidences. I don't believe in that. I believe in the sovereign will of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God. And God's will is for us to be faithful to him right where we are. Do you know what the biggest obstacle to us being faithful right where we are? Tomorrow. There have been songs sung about it. If tomorrow never comes, you're singing it in your head in Garth Brooks' voice. The biggest obstacle to faithfulness to God where you are is tomorrow. We worry, we plan, we fret over tomorrow. And you know, tomorrow has its own set of worries, frets, and plans of itself. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, you've got enough to deal with today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't let tomorrow's troubles rob you of today's faithfulness. So what? So what's the application? Well, number one, focus on faithfulness to God, not to your future plans. It's okay to have future plans. It's okay to see them out there. It's okay to pray over them. But don't focus on them. Focus on being faithful where you are. Focus on God and what He's doing in your life right now. Guys, I'm telling you, you want to improve your quality of living? You want to have joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength. You need strength? You need joy. How do you have joy? Being in the will of God. How are you in the will of God? If you are faithful to God where you are, you are in His will. How many of you have ever driven a car without uh, power steering? What's the easiest... This is class participation. You're allowed to say something. What's the easiest way to turn a car with no steering wheel? Or no power steering, excuse me. That's in a whole other scenario, isn't it? Sometimes my mind outruns my mouth. Or my mouth outruns my mind or something. You know what I mean. But the easiest way to turn a car with no power steering is to get the wheels moving. I promise you this. If you get the wheels moving where you are with God, He will turn you where He wants you to go. But if you're fretting and fussing and worrying about why God's not doing what you want to do when, he, when you want it done, you're never going to have the joy of the Lord. Number two, it's okay to pray for future plans while you are being faithful to God where you are. The preacher I grew up under, and I was sick of hearing it when I was growing up, the things I used to hear him say all the time and I got sick of thinking those were ridiculous when I got older, they meant and they mean something to me today. Pastor Irby used to say, he's in heaven now, but he used to say this all the time, bloom where you are planted. Bloom where you are planted. It's okay to pray. And it's okay to plan. And it's okay to ask God to do things. But be faithful where you are while you're waiting on Him. And number three, don't let tomorrow's problems rob you and become a distraction of today's faithfulness to God. Don't let tomorrow's problems become a distraction. And don't let tomorrow's problems rob you of being faithful to God today. Church, listen to me. We need men and women who will surrender afresh and new to God. I'm not talking about 
you surrender parts of your life, a, a partial contribution. I'm talking about a total commitment to Christ. Present your bodies. As we started back in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, present your bodies a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices is they like to crawl off the altar. J. Vernon McGee used to say all the time, I didn't understand that at first, but now the longer I live, the more I understand. That's why I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Matthew 16.24 We are called to deny ourselves, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. Guys, listen to me. I don't know your heart. I don't know where you stand with the Lord right now. But some of us need a new surrender to the Lord. We've been putting everything in the world ahead of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been putting everything ahead of His will, trying to get Him. We're in front of Him saying, Come on, God. Come on, God. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And let me tell you this. I will tell you this. The big problem with this is we don't know what God knows. You look at your children and you have been in certain places and you have experienced certain things. And you look at your children and you know that if they do this, it's going to end there. And you tell them, don't do this because it will end there. Why do you do that? Because you love them. And you know that if they do that, it's not what's best for them. So much more does God know everything. There's nothing, God has never had a thought ever occur to him. He knows everything from the beginning to the end to the end of the beginning and everything in between. God knows every, everything about your thought life, everything about your future plans. He knows everything about your future life. And I tell you this, if you will just surrender to him your will and be faithful where he has you, you will be in the will of God and you will have a joy untold. Is it going to be easy? It's not going to be easy. We've got to get over this notion that life is going to be easy. Nothing is easy. That's called heaven, and we have to die to get there. But while we're here, Christ lives in us. His Holy Spirit is inside of us, and we can be victorious Christians. But sometimes we're our own worst enemy. When we force our will on God, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me, church. Hell is real. It's not a game. Hell is real. And hell was not created for humans. It was created for the devil and his followers. And those who refuse him, those who refuse to believe in him, those who reject the gospel, they die and they go to hell. The Bible says that hell is a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dies not. You know, people use hell as a slang word. It's not anything funny. It's a serious matter, hell. And those of us that understand the gospel, we know that because we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We don't have to worry about hell. But if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're on your way to hell. And nobody knows when you're going to die. But you don't have to die and go to hell. Jesus Christ, He became our propitiation. He became our sin. He took all of our sin upon Him and died on the cross so that we can have the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. See, the Bible demands 
death for the penalty of sin. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. See, if you're born again, you die once. If you're not born again, you die twice. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to tell you right now that because of God's demands, death is the penalty for sin. But Jesus Christ stepped in your place, took all of your sin upon Him, and died on that cross. Knowing every thought you would ever think, every word you would ever speak, every deed you would ever do. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He was buried, and on the third day, He arose from the grave, just like He said. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And the Scripture says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, all that come to me, I will in no eyes cast out. If you just turn from your sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the finished work on the cross of Calvary, you can be saved. If you are saved, I ask you, are you surrendered? If you're uh, not saved, I ask you, would you trust Christ as your Savior? Heavenly Father, we bow before you just for a moment.